Welcome to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about Church at the Well, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. And now, here's today's sermon from our pastor, Dane Carraway. So thank you all that that pitched in and, and made sure church went off uh, great last week. And um, Mr. Leon, again, I just want to tell you thank you so much for your word. Um, so this week, we're going to take a closer look at a key character in not just the life, but also the death of Jesus. Um, we're coming to the end here, and I'm going to be skipping some chapters. And if you're worried about that, I want to remind you that I have two more Gospels to go. So I'm not skipping events. We're, we'll, we'll get there. We got Luke and Mark to go. So... Don't worry about it. Trust me. Just enjoy the ride. Um, but we have this week, and then next week we're gonna um, we're gonna finish Matthew, and then um, two weeks later we're gonna start in the book of Mark. And I'm excited about getting to Mark. But I, before we get there, I want to um, talk about a character that we probably ignore a lot, and it's worth ignoring because you know a lot of times there's the uh, if you ever see. Um, um, a movie or like a superhero movie, you don't usually know the name of like the number one henchman. You know the villain, but you know, you don't always know like his sidekick. And I'm not even calling this person like Satan's sidekick, but, but you don't always think about the people that are against the side that you should be on and why they're there. So I, what I want to do is I, I want us to see if there's anything that we can learn from or anything that we can think about when it comes to a guy named Judas. I mean, how much do we really know about Judas, right? Like, you know, plot twist, there's, there's not a lot of scripture about him. Like to the point where, like, he doesn't really get brought up in any of the gospels towards way late in the game before Jesus goes to the cross. It's like almost just setting up what he did, and that's it. Um, there's, there's not a lot, but from what we know, there's enough about this guy to learn from. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, the, the verses will be on the screen. I'm going to be hopping around in, in, uh, in uh, chapters 26 and 27. I'll try to ever just tell you where I'm at um, if, I, if I can, um, but uh, I'm intentionally pointing at verses that have to do with him, Okay. So, so try your best to, to stay with me. Um, so chapter 26, it says in verse 14, then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver, verse 16. And, and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Uh, I'm going to jump down to uh, uh, verse 20. It says, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the 12. And as they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be... It would have been better for that man if he had, had, not been, uh, had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? Not Lord, Rabbi. It's interesting. Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. 
Uh, where am I at? Uh, verse 45. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your, uh, take your rest later on. See the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayer is at hand. So I, 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 I'm probably going too fast and not setting up where I am in verses. So the first couple things that I read, this is Jesus and the disciples at, uh, at the last supper, right? The last one I just read, this is Jesus talking um, to Peter and John in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's telling them, hey, listen, stay up with me, stay awake, like we got to pray. And he's like, actually, it's too late. Uh, my betrayer is here um, to do what he's going to do to me, right? Okay, let me keep going. Um, verse 47, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a great crowd of swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, greetings, rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. All right, so Jesus is arrested. Now listen to this like last block of verses and we're done um, in uh, chapter 27. Says, uh, starting in verse three. Then, when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, "I have sinned by betraying innocent blood." They said, "What is that to us? See to it, see to it yourself." And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest taking the pieces of silver said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. They were uh, then was filled with what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of on him, a price on, on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed him. Okay, so a confusing set of passages, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever read this and be like, how did we get here? You know, especially in Matthew, you, you don't, you know, you think about it as a movie, like, where's the moment that he decided to switch sides? What, what, where were you starting to plan this? Like, like what, what happened here? How did, how did this uh, all come about? Why do you hate Jesus? You know, he's been doing amazing things and you're just along for the ride. Just follow him. Like, like if you're looking to this passage, it just doesn't make sense. It just makes you think what happened. Um, we know that he was one of the 12 that followed Jesus, correct? Like that's the information that we have going into this passage, which makes it so confusing. So what I want to give you, and I'll give it to you right at the front, our big idea for today, and, and this is what we have to understand with Judas and also that we have to realize in our own lives, is that closeness to Jesus is not the same as connected to Jesus. You guys know this, right? Like, what we, we talk about this all the time where church people, when church people don't act like church people or, or people that claim to, to know and follow Jesus don't actually know and follow Jesus, that a closeness to him is not the same as a connection to him. If we have all this stuff hooked up here, and uh, ashamedly, um, if you ever hear during setup, you know that the pastor of this church is very useless 
um, <laughs> on the technical side of things. My job is to help Micah uh, bring stuff down here, uh, and, and um, I help put the stuff on the stage, and then I go find something else to go set up. I am a, a mule when it comes to our, our church. I carry stuff. Now, if, if, if I were to try to set something up, and if I was to put the plug next to the outlet, that's pretty good, right? I did my job. I, I, I've, I, I'm close to the outlet, but do I have any power? No, because I'm close to it. I'm not connected to it. I, I would argue that Judas was somebody who never was really connected to Jesus. And we're going to be able to see this from uh, some of the things in this passage that we'll look back to. Uh, the idea of a close confidant to the leader, betraying that leader is so popular in Hollywood. We, you've seen this in movies, right? Uh, um, I remember like SWAT or, uh, or Takers or something where there's somebody on the inside working against the group that, that are looking to betray, looking to usurp the throne. I, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones, but for the way that people talk about it, it seems like this is kind of the theme. Somebody's got a throne. I got to play the game to get there. Is that, did I, did I do it right? Is that, is that the show? Never mind. But so, like, I, I just think like that there's just some, like, King of the Hill, like, if, if I could just get to that spot then that's what it is. And I don't even think that's the attitude of Judas. What, do you hear any, like, it didn't seem like he was trying to be the Lord or trying to be the Savior. It didn't seem like he was motivated by something else. And we know this from, from other scripture, that for the love of money, right? Like, like, like the, the, that's the idea that comes with this, uh, um, with this, uh, with this ugly pursuit. What I want to do is go back through the narrative and point out some lessons that we can learn from Judas. First one is this. Jesus chose Judas and he knew he would fail. We know that Jesus exists outside of time, right? Like, like, this is mind-boggling. Like, when you think about what success really means, when you think about Jesus' purpose, he knew that he would fail. It's the same thing that's true for us, that if when Jesus chose to save you at the age that he chose to save you, he knew that from the moment you made a decision to follow him, that between then and the time that he, he called you home to glory, all the times that you would mess up in between. That's why Jesus died for all sins, past, present, and future. That he was able to see you for, for where you were at in the space and in, in the mindset you were at and said, I, I still choose you. I'm still leaving the 99 to come after you, even in your faults. I, nothing surprises him. In verse 14, it says, then the one of the 12 whose name was Judas Iscariot. Like he, he was identified as one of the 12. We like to idolize these guys, right? Like these are the pillars of the church. And in the same, and, and, you know, I, I, like, I know that's not a huge, you know, um, you know uh, uh, theological verse, but he was one of the 12. Think about all the things that we've talked about thus far. He, he was there. He was there. You know, I just went to a youth conference uh, this past week, and I, I've been talking about how powerful it is and, and how um, it, amazing it is to see uh, students make decisions to follow Jesus and, like, like being there. And, like, how could you be there and not uh, um, be convinced of Jesus? How, how could you not, uh, not be there and not be convinced to change your life or to, or to follow Jesus? Like, because you're there and you're present. Because people are people. That's why. That people miss the boat. 
I've sat in many a movies with my wife, and she's bawling her eyes out, and I'm like, when's lunch? Like, you know, because that just happens sometimes. Sometimes people miss, just, just miss it. And maybe this is like, you know, like, like, I don't know if this has ever been you, but you got to, it's, we don't like to admit it as believers, but apparently it's possible for someone to see a guy turn, you know, fish and bread into like a big meal for everybody, heal folks, do everything that he did, but still not be convinced that this wasn't somebody, you know, that I didn't want to betray. And Jesus knew it too. And what this means is Jesus didn't smite him. Jesus didn't destroy him. Remember, Jesus like talks about, I could call down legions of angels. He's got the resources, knew what he was doing and kept him close. I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. Um, Judas was offering his services as a witness against Jesus when he would be brought to trial. Actually, in John's account of this part of the story, we see that Judas would do anything to gain money. This is how John talks about it in John chapter 12, verse 3 through 6. Um, this is back at the, uh, at the supper. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for, for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used, to, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Judas had motives, it seems like for a while. Judas was the treasurer of the disciples. He kept the money and he had been going in and just taking some off the top, you know, before here. So he sees this ointment, he's like, man, that, that would have been some, that would have been a nice little, nice little profit right there. But here this woman goes and is wiping her hair with Jesus, uh, wiping um, Jesus' feet with her hair. There was motive here. By the way, I I just thought this was interesting as we had this whole theme of of, of the bridge, right? Um, 30 silver coins. Um, In Exodus chapter 21, we see that this was the redemption price paid for a slave. So here's what that looked like. If, um, it's like through, the, through the rules and things, if you had somebody that, um, let's say there was a slave working in your fields and one of your oxen or somebody, like if something bad happened to a, to, to, to a slave working on your fields but was owned by somebody else, what you had to pay the person who owned that slave was 30 silver coins. It's crazy, right? Like, 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 like that is the, it's almost the redemption uh, piece there. Um, so we see that Jesus chose Judas and, and knew he would fail. Number two, Jesus takes being friends of sinners seriously. We've heard this elsewhere that Jesus is a friend of sinners, that he, he sat with, uh, you know, he sat with, the, with all these folks that would have never been sat with in towns and, and, and brought them to dinners and all the Pharisees and Sadducees, they looked and they, all the religious leaders said like, clearly this guy can't be the Messiah because he should have nothing to do with these people right? Because of what they've done in their past. You see what Jesus said in verse 50? He said, uh, he said uh, friend, do what you came to do. Now, let's remember that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, does not use words and phrases like we do. 
we were helping my mom move yesterday, and you know, I, I, I immediately, you know, after a couple hours, I'm, I'm calling the guys next to me, hey, excuse me, bro, thanks, bro. Now, this isn't how Jesus uses words. When Jesus calls this guy friend, what this word means in Greek is like a companion or, or an associate. And I'm not talking about like the associate that works in the cubicle next to me. This is like somebody that has been identified as with me. Friend, do what you came to do. As he's betraying him, as this is going to lead to him going to the cross, he calls him friend. Like, like, like this, is, this is what he's saying to him. He's being kissed by this guy and, and a kiss of condemnation. We think of Jesus being a friend of sinners as if all the other ways like, don't really offend him. Like you and I, like you're probably thinking this right now, like, like this, is, this is crazy. Like, you know, if there's a level of sins, like, you know, being, being disrespectful to parents, uh, um, lying and, and stealing and stuff, like these are things that God can easily forgive. God can, you know, he, he, he doesn't care about those things. He doesn't value those things. The, 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 like those aren't as hurtful to him. It can't possibly be as hurtful to him as betraying him, right? No, I, I think... When Jesus died to cover all sins, he meant all sins. In the same way that he would, he would sit with the prostitutes, in the same way he would sit with people living lives far from him, does it surprise us that he would call the guy in the act of betraying him friend? I mean, that's hard for us to swallow because it's like, well, maybe I should take seriously all the, all the things that I do that are, that are hurtful or harmful to him because clearly he, he has, you know, he has love for those folks. Jesus' response to Judas indicated that he still loves him. For Jesus addressed him as friend. Jesus takes being friends of sinners seriously. Uh, number three, Judas regretted it. Right? Like we, we see it, almost as soon as it happens, the, the next opportunity he gets, he he tries, to, he tries to fix it. He tries to give the coins back. And, you know, there's uh, um, theory to believe that Judas didn't know that this was going to mean his death, which I don't understand <laughs> like, if that's even real or not. Like, clearly, what are they going to do? Throw him a parade? Like, like this isn't going to, nothing's going to happen besides what they said they were going to do. They're trying to get rid of him. And Judas regretted it. I, I don't know about you, but they, this should be a great reminder that you always regret if you know what God would have you do, not doing what God would have you do. There's regret there. I mean, has there ever, has there ever been sin worth it? But dang, this is different. Like he portrayed Jesus. Yeah, but we do. Like, like there's, there's always been a sense that sin is offensive to God. So much so that he had to die for the sake of it, Right? Like, this is why, like, when we do communion later, we're going to take time to examine ourselves because God takes sin seriously. Um, and Judas regretted it immediately. Uh, uh, verse 3 through 4 says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. He changed his mind. He, like, his mind was in, like, he already made the decision to do something for, those, for, 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 the, uh, for the cash, for the money. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He had done something wrong and he was trying to reverse it. Saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. 
sounds great, and we can, you know, it, it may even cause us to be like, okay, well, like he, he figured out he did the wrong thing. Here's the problem, though. He's confessing to the wrong person. He's going to the chief priest. Isn't this what we do? Like, the, like when we, when we uh, sin against somebody or we do something wrong, we will go and make up for it. When we've had that moment of like, man, I, I just messed up. I shouldn't have done this. We will go to everybody else uh, or confess it instead of going back to where we, we should be in the first place. Man, like I, I have, I have, uh, I've yelled at my kids. I've treated them unfairly. I, I, I just had a blow up and, and I was mad and I was angry. Let me go talk to my wife about it. Let me confess to her that, that, that I was just horrible and ugly. No, you, you should go back and, and make it right with them. Like, I, I got this new employee, and they just can't get right. And, like, I just, you know, I, I, I just ripped them a new one. And, like, I, I, I was a bad boss to them today. Yeah, let me go talk to one of the other managers or, or another coworker about it just so I can, I can just get this off my chest. Let me go home and talk to, to my wife about it so I can just get this off my chest so I don't feel so bad about it anymore. Well, I'm glad you feel better. But go and, go and make that right. Go and, go and repent back to that person. Judas regretted it. But I think that what, what Jesus has always pointed back to in the idea of repentance, the idea of going back and turning around and, and confessing our sins to one another and, and repenting and making things right with that person is that guilt is heavy. Guilt is heavy and, and like, like and, you know, in the separation and not redeeming that relationship, not restoring that relationship, man, like that is, that is, that is a reality that none of us want to have to live with. I don't know if you've ever just had a situation where like an apology was never given on your part or the other person's part. And now that relationship is just forever broken. I've had situations where I, I've, uh, where there's just been hard feelings, but I have to continue to walk past this person. I have to walk back, like have to see him every day, have to you know, deal with it. And we just know that like what was once theirs is not there anymore. When all that needs to happen is a conversation. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy one. I, I think that what Judas is showing, uh, is showing here is yeah, he, he shouldn't have done it, and, and that guilt and that, that feeling of, I, I should have never been on the other side. Maybe there's a realization of, of, um, uh, of who Jesus is and, 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 um, and, and, what he, uh, and what he means, but it's probably just a sense of, I, I just have an inward sense that I'm, I'm in a position where I shouldn't be. This doesn't necessarily mean that he have a realization of who Jesus is, it's just a realization of what I'm not is, is, is heavy on me. We know this, right? Like, it's not the same as salvation just to know that sin is sin. Tons of people realize that sin is sin. They just got to figure it out. Like, that's where most of the, um, the rehabilitation uh, programs and things like, uh, um, you know, AA and things like, they just have people realize that they got a problem. That's what happened with Judas here. Judas realized he has a problem. But that didn't redeem him back to Jesus or else he would be going back to talk to Jesus. He would be like, where is he staying? Where, like, which jail do you have him in? Forget the money. You guys can have the money. I need to go and make things right with Jesus. But it's just a matter of guilt. He's confessing to the wrong person. If he understood Jesus and who Jesus was, he would have went and repented to him. 
And we all know this, that Jesus would have forgave him. So that's some of the lessons and things that I just kind of picked through with the passage. But I got some questions for us, you know, because it's a weird thing and it's a, you know, it's a weird focus for us. And it's definitely uncomfortable to think about a guy and if we see any things in ourselves with him. Um, and I know it's uncomfortable, but I just had some questions to kind of bring this, you know, to a whole for us. First one is this, what could be worth more than Jesus? I mean, what could really be worth more? I mean, for Judas, it was, it was just piling, piling the coin. It was just getting a little bit more. And we're just, for a lot of us, we think about it. Maybe we don't understand like, like you know, the dollar amount or, um, you know, we don't understand the currency, but I wonder if for us, just even the idea, if we could, if we could just, you know, make up for it later, if you had the opportunity, if you had a job opportunity, if you had a, a profit opportunity and it was like directly conflicted with what the Lord would have you do, a lot of us would think, well, I can go to church next week. I, I can, you know, God forgives and there's always going to be an opportunity. If there's always going to be an opportunity to serve Jesus, then I can serve me right now. And I think the question has to become, what could be worth more than him? And it's hard for us to see because so much of what we are tempted to worship is material. And it's hard because we're, it's easy to serve material so much more. Like we could think about all the things that we wanna, we wanna figure out, all the things that we wanna, uh, um, that we, we wanna make sure are right and things. This is the conversation that Jesus had with Mary and Martha. It wasn't that, you know, the one sister who was up cleaning and, and, uh, and getting the meal ready and everything, it wasn't that she wasn't doing good stuff. She was doing great things. But Jesus is saying, but you, your sister's chosen the better thing, and that's my presence. Was Jesus like saying that cooking and cleaning was a sin? No, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's not worth as much. I, I, this is just a reminder to us that in our busiest of times, in like when, when, our, when our judgment gets cloudy and the, like a bunch of things get kind of set in front of us that we could serve, what could be worth more than him? Number two, am I really committed to Jesus? Am I really committed to him? I mean, if, if Jesus consistently shows his commitment to us, remember he called Judas friend as he was betraying him. How, how do we show our commitment to him? Like, like, where's that look like? Remember, even for, it was a bad night for the disciples, by the way. <laughs> like after dinner, like the, the, the food must have been amazing because they were just, their judgment was sleepy. Like you have from, from uh, the guys falling asleep uh, when they're supposed to be praying to Judas betraying him to Peter cutting off ears. It was just, it was, wasn't their best hour, okay? It, it just wasn't their greatest of moments. But Jesus is constantly like after this this amazing dinner where he's showing his love for them. He's, you know, he's leading them in, in, in the bread and the cup and he does all this and, and even talking about what he's doing and why he's going to do it. He consistently shows his commitment towards us. The question is if we have that commitment to him or are we just close to him? I, I remember I was having a conversation. We were getting ready to, uh, to plant. Um, 
we, uh, I remember I was having a conversation with a guy that just had questions and I don't think he really understood like the language we were talking about. And I, I, I spoke so much about the idea of discipleship and, um, and, and things. He's like, well, Dane, you have to make sure that your church is not just for folks that want to be disciples, but folks that just want to be Christians. And I'm like, I don't think that there's a difference. Like, I, I don't think that we've kind of fallen to this culturally that you can be somebody who believes in Jesus, but like just buys it. Like I buy in, this is, God is real and Jesus makes sense. Like that if, if, that, if what I know to be real has to play out in a physical way, if I know that this is real, it has to play out in a physical way that there can't be a separation, that there's no such thing of being close to him, truly being close to him without being committed. Because if, if, that, if there is a separation, well, then you would probably find that most of the issues and most of the, uh, the bad perceptions of, of Christians comes with folks that are close but not committed. The question has to be, am I committed to Jesus? Um, um, and then finally, like, uh, if, if Jesus uses people who betray him for his purposes, because that's what Judas became, why didn't the disciples of Jesus stop him? If, if this whole situation, like, why didn't Peter start cutting off Judas's ear? Like, 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 you know, how come nobody did anything? And the question becomes, well, what's the goal? Remember, Jesus was always prepping from, you know, from about halfway through the trip. He's, he's telling the disciples, hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm prepping you for my departure. Like, my time with you on earth is short. I have to do this because the goal was just, just not to just hang out with you guys for, for um. Uh, for three years or, or, or more. The goal was always for me to, to not be here for long. I have a job to do. I have the description. And it's because I leave you because I love you. And don't worry, when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you. But this is the goal. Judas was used as part of Jesus's purposes without him even knowing. And I guess the question for us is, do you realize that for each and every one of us, Jesus has purpose for us. The question is, are we going to be used in a positive way or a negative way? And how do you want to be known? How do you want to be known? I'm, I'm going to put this in frame for me. I, um, I know very severely that like the weight of what it means to be in ministry, and I take it, I take it seriously. And something that I have to continually remind myself is that a part of what it means to lead our church is that I'm going to be written in the stories and the testimonies of people. How do I want to be known? Do I want to be the pastor that did so much damage to somebody and they had to go and like, you know, they had to go and undo some of the damage that I did as a, as a spiritual leader? Think about how many people went to these churches where pastors had moral failures or, or, or did uh, crazy things. And now that's a part of somebody's story that Lord had to work to redeem in order for the people to follow them in the way he always intended them to. Or do you want to be positive? Do you want to be that, you know, as, as someone tried to follow Jesus, they were able to look to me as they follow Christ. And we, that, that applies to all of us. I, I, just left this, I just left this youth conference and there's too many stories. There's literally too many stories of, of kids that live in homes with parents that have told them, all the legalistic ways about following Jesus, but never told them that Jesus loved them. Just never told them. 
like, like, I, like I literally talked to a kid that said, I, I, I couldn't, I, I, it doesn't connect with me that, that Jesus loves me even though I've done everything that I've done. I'm like, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? Like, like that's, that's the thing. Like, like, that's it. Like, despite of who we are, Jesus says, like, I'm made strong where you are weak. I inverse it. Where, where you're weak, I'm strong. Like, like that's, the whole, that's the whole thing. This kid's just like, just, you know, that, that God has to do so much redeeming work because of just bad discipleship, whether intentional or unintentional. How do we want to be known? Like, as people write their stories and they live their lives, and they're going to look at, especially for us, the, the church that unapologetically looks to pour into the next generation. There are going to be college students that fill these seats this fall, guys. And as, as we all interact with them, as we all do, not just the pastor, as we all do, how do we want to be known? Do we want to be known as the church that they went to before they went to the church that they love, but they had to leave this church because those folks didn't act like followers of Jesus? Or do we want to be the church that, despite the baggage and the sin and the weight and the guilt that they walked in, uh, which theater we in? Theater eight with. <laughs> they were loved and they were shown a savior that, that seeks to take those burdens off of them. How do we want to be known? I, like, it, it, trust me, it is hard and it is burdensome to, to love people far from God. And it takes a long time and it takes effort. But a reminder back to the question I said before, is it worth it? What could be worth more than Jesus? Do we want to be known as someone Jesus used as a friend or as a betrayer? Guys, I know that Jesus is a strange topic <laughs> and it's, it's hard for us to put ourselves in his shoes and you know, we, we never should want to be in his shoes as someone who, who worked against our savior. And there's a lots of views as to why Judas did it, but in some ways it, it just comes back to Jesus wasn't doing what Judas wanted. He wasn't who he was supposed to be, the, you know, using, uh, um, serving the poor and you know, doing all these things. And you know, it's, there's some views that even believe that Judas's biggest problem with Jesus was that he was expecting like, that he was gonna, as the Messiah, he was just gonna overthrow the government right here and now that he was just going to take out Caesar and, and then he would just to reestablish everything. But Jesus was a God of peace. That, that, that's, that was his position. And that may have, you just picked at the anger of him. His view of Jesus should be, wasn't working out. So I, I just want to suggest from us that maybe for us and what should have happened in the life of, Ju of Judas he said, we got to move from whatever um, we think Jesus should be into who he wants us to be. Maybe that's how we respond this morning. I think for a lot of us, like, I don't know about you, but have you just been praying for something for so long? And you're just like, God, I don't see how you don't see it my way on this. Like, if you would just allow this to happen, if you would allow me to have this, if you would just push this through, think about all the things that I can do with it. And that's our prayer request is, is, is more so of like, if you would just get on my side with this, 
If you would just hear me out on this, if you would just lean in, if you would just take the position that I think you should have, look what I could do. I think we got to stop telling Jesus who he's supposed to be. And we got to find our way in line to who we're supposed to be. We're just not a smart guys. Even in our intelligence, we're, we're just, we're, we don't like, he, he can work against us and he can work us in our small mind and, and in our small ways. Even in your gifts and your talents, I guarantee you that you have testimony of how God has used you in ways you never expected him to apart from your gifts and talents, that you, what you would call your gifts and talents. I think a lot of times we just have to, you know, just, just, just stop for a second and say, God, like, I, I, I'm done trying to tell you who, you who you're supposed to be. I'm done trying to tell you how to be God, and I'm just going to be yours. <laughs> I'm going to allow me to move in, in your ways. I'm, allow, I'm, I'm just going to allow myself to fall in line with what you want to do and let you have at it. I'd rather be known as someone who followed Jesus than someone that betrayed him. And that doesn't always look like leading him to the cross. It could look like just resistant to what he wants to do. We're doing this whole series on serve, right? It could be resistant to serving him in the ways he's calling us to serve him. With my gifts, with my talents, with my time, with my offering, with my worship, with my evangelism. I don't want to be known as somebody, by the way, not to people, but mostly to God. I don't want to be known as someone that had to work in effort, like it work as a betrayer, and he had to work around me to do his purposes. I'd rather be known as someone that he could use to help others follow him. Amen? Can I pray for us? And the band will come in um, and then we'll do uh, communion after that. You just listened to a message from Dane Carraway, the pastor of Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about our church and to support what we're doing in the greater Baltimore area, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well. May God bless you.